Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Sands. Joining me in the studio this week as a, get, as a co-host is Frederick News Post reporter Kate Masters. Hi there. And we have a very special guest this week, Adam Benish from Union Craft Brewing. Hey guys. Although I said that wrong, didn't I? It's, oh yeah, it's Union Craft Brewing. Yeah, that's right. right. You got it. Um, so let's start out just, uh, let's talk about you a little bit first. What uh, what were you doing before you founded Union? Yeah, I uh, I guess I was mostly in the finance world for many years uh, in various jobs, uh, but all the while thinking about beer all the time. Um, and uh, eventually reach a point in your life where you you want to chase that passion and 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 get into something bigger and better that you're that you're a little bit more passionate about. And so, uh, had some success in the finance world and and a couple of great jobs that that I enjoyed working at and certainly paid more than working at a brewery. Uh, but eventually, again, you got to make that jump if you ever want to do it. And, and the timing felt right a couple of years ago. What kind of work did you do in finance? I worked at a uh, a company in Baltimore that invested in software companies. Okay, uh, which was really interesting and and really. Uh, uh, eye-opening to see how businesses run and how to make businesses operate better, more efficiently, grow faster, whatever the case may be. That's what this this business did uh, and worked there for about seven years and, and learned a lot there. Uh, but again, uh, too often I found myself thinking about beer rather than uh, what I should be focusing on. And so really, uh, I think a lot of what I've at least my my role, what I've been able to do for Union, a lot of that comes back to my time at that prior job and learning how these how, how good businesses ran and so on how businesses that weren't uh, growing as fast or, or doing what they should be doing were doing and, and trying to stay away from that. Yeah, as soon as you said that, and we'll, we'll definitely get into your expansion plans much more later, but I, that background probably helped a lot with making sure you weren't making bad decisions on when to expand, when to invest. And absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and I think about that all the time. And, and even as we're work, thinking through our expansion and growth plans of, over the past years and, and what we're working with going forward, uh, I think back to those times and, and what I saw and what I learned and, and use some of those people as resources still to this day uh, when I'm thinking about something and want to bounce something off somebody else. It's also, I find it really interesting how many... Brewery founders started either directly in a technology company or it somehow related to a technology company. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I don't know if, if there's um, any real correlation to that, but I think generally speaking, you know, a, a brewery, a beer business, is no different than many other types of businesses. You know, businesses can be run well and they can be run poorly, and and your results are going to be affected by that and so I think um, there's a lot even even just here in Maryland there's a lot of smart people that have had prior experiences whether it's in a software company or working for a federal agency or whatever that have, are able to leverage those that knowledge that they learned in their prior jobs and, and apply it towards beer so uh, what was the moment where you decided I've had enough of this I'm going to stop thinking about beer and actually make it for people hmm. uh you know it had been a, lo a long time coming there there was one moment that i can picture in my head um you know one of my favorite beer days in baltimore is the belgian beer fest at max's and back in the day i don't think i don't know if they still do this but they had a webcam there and and i remember sitting at my desk at my job watching the webcam of everyone being you know lining up and getting excited and going to drink at max's at, at 11 a.m on a random friday in february 
and seeing everyone have fun there. And I was stuck in my office and couldn't go. And <laughs> that resonated resonates with me still to this day. And um, I make it a point to be at Max's for Belgian Beer Fest Friday morning every year now uh, because I can and because, you know. And I'm, you should be there. And, yeah. <laughs> it's um, the job now. <laughs> it's, now it's work. And so uh, I'm there bright and early. So is it, um, are, are there any, did you, are you the only founder? Or do no, you so co- it's myself and, 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 and two partners are okay. the co-founders. So um, uh, Kevin Blodger is our, our brewmaster. He and I went to College Park together. Uh, we met my first night of college, actually, uh, in the dorms. Uh, we lived on the second floor of the Hagerstown dorm, and we, uh, we qu- quickly became friends and bonded over beer. You know, this is the mid-90s, um, and we started exploring what craft beer was at that time. Uh, saving up six bucks to get a six pack of Sierra Nevada or Pete's Wicked Ale. Uh, he started home brewing in college. Uh, I started drinking it. <laughs> it turned out to be uh, not that bad, pretty good, and uh, things went from there. And we became pretty close um, over beer through our college years, and, and still to this day, obviously. And, and then uh, my other partner, John Zarevitz, uh, he and I went to neighboring high schools growing up. Um, you know, we didn't hang out much back then. We had some common friends. Um, but you know, knew of each other, and, and uh, probably about six or seven years ago, we reconnected at a good friend's wedding um, and started sharing, uh, you know, our passion for beer. We we meet out for beers, uh, talk about beer. We were trading beer back then, and um, really bonded over beer like that. And and you know, over the next year or two from that point, uh, he, John, Kevin, and I all got together and um, you know shared our passion for what we wanted to do in Baltimore and beer, and, and came together uh, to form Union. So what were they doing before? Kevin was professionally brewing. He, he's okay. been a professional brewer for the past you know, 10 years before Union. So he was in Chicago for a couple of years, um, moved back to Maryland uh, around the time that we were getting serious about planning for Union and was brewing at Gordon Biersch for, uh, for several years in Chicago and then at Rockville location, um, as well as a couple other breweries uh, locally before that. Uh, got his first brewing job, entry-level brewing job at Frederick Brewing Company, you know, oh, where cool. Flying Dog is now, uh, about a year or two out of college. And so he, he'd been brewing beer for all that time and um you know he and i had 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 joked slash dreamt about opening a brewery you know since the college days and since he he started brewing beer professionally and um you know obviously got more serious about that six or seven years ago um john was working at uh t-row price in the uh marketing uh graphic design department and so he had spent his years uh really honing his skills on on branding and marketing and, and and building his mind around that um, so where do, is the name based on c- of where you're, the street you're located on, or was there more to the name? Yeah, I mean, we're on Union Avenue, yeah. and so that's how Union got on the list as far as <laughs> what should we name this brewery. Um, but it obviously became more than that, and, and you know, we love uh, the union of the three of us from all three very different backgrounds joining forces over beer, as well as, you know, we love the union of the four ingredients of beer and the same four ingredients across all the different beers we make. Um, we love that combination. Uh, so all of that kind of went into the name and, and, and the logo uh, being a cog. You know, we're located in a very old industrial part of Baltimore uh, and wanted to pay tribute to that in that way. Uh, although right now we should probably remedy a mistake that we made. We did not pour a beer before we started. Oh, so we can fix that whenever, yes, whenever so you're ready. We, we can fix that right now. <laughs> um, which one do you recommend we start with? We've got a few options here today. We've got uh, some of our core year-round beers, and, and really it's up to you know wh- what you guys have tried or not tried. We have our Duck Pin Pale Ale, which is our flagship hop-forward American-style pale ale. Uh, we have our Anthem Golden Ale, a lighter beer. 
Uh, we have a couple of our seasonals. Our Old Pro Goza is a, a sour German wheat ale that uh, I love, certainly in the hot summer days. It feels feels just about right. Uh, Steady Eddie's are our uh, summertime IPA. Brewers. I enjoyed some of those over the weekend. Awesome. <laughs> we got some double duck pin, our, our double IPA that I love. And then in this unmarked can right here, I always love the unmarked cans because <laughs> you never know what's in there. But I think what's in there is a beer that we're set to release um, uh, in the next week or two. Uh, it's our it's a Old Pro Tea Time. It's our Old Pro as a base. And then uh, Lynn, one of, one of actually our first employee at the brewery uh, and, and one of the people that, that does a lot of things at the brewery has come up with this fun combination of Old Pro, it originally started as kind of an Arnold Palmer type combination, uh-huh. Old Pro and tea, but she kind of dug down a level deeper and took the botanicals that are often used in different types of teas and blended that with Old Pro. So is it at the tea also or just the botanicals? Uh, just, the, just the botanicals. Okay. There's no actual tea in there, though. When you soak the botanicals in the Old Pro, you're essentially making the tea, <laughs> okay. right? So it all depends how you That's think about it. That's pretty cool. So this is... Um, Old Pro Tea Time Peach. She did a, a peach-like oh. tea uh, combination. Of this, so we we can start with that. We can we can start with something else. What are you feeling? I kind I think we should start with that because right, I want to taste that with a pure palate. <laughs> <laughs> and there I was go. when I was telling um, Kate about Old Pro, she was excited to try Old Pro in general. We so. we could have also the base beer as a comparison side by side if you'd like to. Uh, but the Old Pro is is um, our summer seasonal. Yeah. It's a it's a tart German wheat beer brewed with salt and coriander. So it's got a really a really complex uh, um, flavors in there. You get a little bit of the tartness up front. We brew it with lactobacillus, which is the same bacteria that's in Greek yogurt that gives that kind of tartness to it. The coriander gives it a really cool lemony zing, and then uh, it finishes with that salty finish. Um, that's the base beer, and then for this one, with with the peach botanicals, the tea, uh, you get you get a nice peach roundness to it as well. Mm. The aroma is insane. Mm, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good, and it's been it's been a little while since I've had Old Pro, but from what I remember, Old Pro tasting like it's very a very different taste. Yeah, I think I think the. The tea side of it, the peach side of it, softens the sourness uh, and the saltiness a little bit. It kind of rounds it out a little bit more, and then you get that little fruity hint of fruity flavor from from the peach side of things as well. And you said this is peach, but do you have plans to introduce other fruit combinations? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is just getting started. This is something that Lynn's been working on, and, and Lynn um, does a lot. of. She, she runs our cast program, our barrel age program, and this is one more thing that she's kind of come up with. She, she came to us. She's like, hey, I've been working on something. This is kind of cool. Well, I think you and when she congratulate says, Lynn. And when she <laughs> says that, a lot of us get excited. Uh, and this is one of her latest creations. That, that's pretty awesome. But she was right because this is very cool. <laughs> so is Old Pro is definitely, that's one of your more popular. Yeah. Uh, in the summertime, um, we brew that. Um, you know, we start that in around April. We release it to the market. And that'll run through the end of the summer. And, and during those months, it's. Uh, one of the most popular beers we make, probably only behind Duckpin during those months. So is is your number one beer then Duckpin? Number one beer is Duckpin. Um, almost half of all the beer we make is Duckpin. So Duckpin's really oh, wow. uh, taken off, and, and we're excited about that. It's the first beer we made when we were when we were thinking about Union and, and the core beers that we wanted to have. Duckpin was number one. And so you never know what the market is going to grab onto and what consumers really want to drink. And so we really love that it was that first conce- concept yeah. of a beer that we had. Uh, that has really taken on a life of its own. 
Now the dub, double duck pin has quite a cult following. Absolutely, yeah, which which is great to see as well. And, and we love double duck pin. It's not a beer that we're able to brew year round all the time. Um, a lot of it is dictated by tank time, but also um, you know the hops that go in there. We can't get enough of that, and so that's one we we do on a quarterly basis. We do it once a quarter, uh, and then release it all at once, and then um, and then it's gone, uh, and, and it moves pretty quickly once it's out there. We we we've started with that model we kind of made it up uh but it's kind of worked and and one of the things i love about it is if you see it on tap somewhere you see a six pack at your local liquor store you know it's fresh yeah um you know it just came out and and, and you know to grab one if, if you like that style of beer uh, and then it's gone for a while and then the next time you see it you know it's a fresh batch again so when um when you come out with the these the old pro series will they be released in 16 ounce cans is like can releases yeah or? that'll likely be a, a can release it's not something we can produce at a at a high level um you know lend it a very small batch of that and and we'll have you know 10 kegs of it that'll show up at a couple of bars and restaurants around town around the state uh and then we'll we'll sell you know we'll release a small can release of those at the brewery uh, in the coming weeks and that's one that we hope that people like, and if so, we'll, we'll do more of that in different flavors and, and, and experiment more with that. How uh, large of a brew house do you have now? We're on a 20-barrel brew house, and we have 60-barrel fermenters. We're typically triple brewing into, into each of the fermenters, uh, typically brewing three times a day these days. And then you, you have a pilot system, too, for do it, or is it we just don't. because the 20-barrel just goes down to a smaller batch from yeah. the added uh, exactly something like this i mean we're starting with with the old pro base and so our brew process and fermentation process stays the same with old pro we'll carve a piece of that batch out of old pro and just hold it in a separate tank okay. and then Add treat it that. how we're going to treat okay. it exactly that's cool um so i guess that my next question will lead well into your expansion plans um, how are you, how large of a brew house are you going to have in your new brewery? Yeah. So we recently announced, uh, our plans to expand and, uh, move out of our current facility. We found a building just down the street from us about a, a quarter of the mile, a quarter of a mile from our current location. Uh, and we will have a 60 barrel brew house there. So three times the size of what we have right now. And, uh, a lot of the thought behind that was, you know, we're currently brewing 60 barrel batches of, of all the beers we make. Uh, and so that was kind of the starting point, and hopefully, we'll be able to grow into larger batches. Uh, yeah, because now from you can just double brew into now you can double a larger... or triple brew into you know we'll have 180 barrel fermenters of uh, the 60 barrel brew house, and um, you know whether we go right to 180 barrel batches or not, we'll, it's yet to be determined. But we'll have the ability to do that. So when when you um, is your are your expansion dictated? Are you hitting? production issues where you're maxed out we are maxed out so we um we actually received we we got three new 60 barrel fermentation tanks about a month ago and those are the last three tanks that can physically fit into our building uh hopefully you'll come by and and check it out sometime you'll see there's there's no question when you walk into the brewery that it's time to move um so we're we're excited to be able to do that and stay in in the neighborhood that we're in but we'll, we'll max out our capacity this summer you know we'll have a hard time this summer keeping up with, with everything but we think we'll be able to squeeze through this summer and know that next summer we could not meet demand in our current facility so we, we need to be up and running in our new place a year from now so when you were looking for your new location were you really hoping to stay on the same sh- or is it just serendipitous that something was available and yeah it was you know it, it was a long process we've been working on this for about a year now uh, maybe a little bit longer and really 
we really did want to stay in the neighborhood that's supported us from the beginning. Um, we needed a large building, and so there aren't that many options out there. And uh, we're fortunate to have found one, but we did look at locations all around the city and even outside of the city uh, and trying to find the best option for us. And again, we're fortunate to have found one so close to home uh, that we love and can't wait to to, to have, you know build our forever home there. And is it on? It's on Union it's Street. Not on, it's oh, not on. It's not on Union Avenue. It's on. It's Are on Forty First Street, which is a you know a block and a half over. Because there, there's a um, there's a brewery in Pittsburgh called East End Brewing, yeah, yeah. and I love their beer. And when he went from his tiny little first brewery, I, I remember reading constantly like he was having trouble. Like he obviously didn't want to leave the East End of Pittsburgh because of the name yep. they didn't want it to <laughs> and um but thankfully he was able to find a larger available buildings yeah in the i mean East it's End. it's funny how things work out right and, and i think we had in some ways given up on staying in the neighborhood in a lot of respects and and um didn't like that um but didn't think that there was an option for us and uh things sometimes go your way and and we had seen this building that we're moving into a year ago but it's it's much larger than what we need. You know, we needed about fifty thousand square feet, and this building is one hundred and forty thousand square feet. So we didn't really think it was an option for us. Um, but what changed over that year of looking for space is coming across all these other growing Baltimore-based businesses that um, were growing and doing great, and thinking about their next phase of growth. And a lot of that is dictated on space. And so coming across these other really cool companies um, that we could. You know, like-minded owners and, and people running these businesses, uh, why not all set up shop under under one roof and, and create a space that all of us can grow in? And that's what this building became. It became much larger than just us as a brewery um, and really creating something that can help uh, a larger group of businesses grow and, and continue to you know chase their passions and dreams of what they want to become. Yeah, I lo- uh, when I saw the when you made the official announcement, I thought that was really cool because uh, there is so much of like uh, in the craft beer industry, the community aspect of craft brewers. I don't, I don't think there's any other industry or business that really latches onto that so well. And, and actually honestly, and yeah. And it's, and it's real and, and it's not just words. And I think, you know, uh, this is, is, is a piece of that and, and how community oriented we and many brewers are. And, and, as we thought about our expansion and, and saw this opportunity in this building, um, as I mentioned, it, be, it did quickly become way bigger than just us as a brewery and really finding a way for the community as a whole, these other businesses that are all community focused to to elevate to a level much higher than what they would be doing all on, all on our own. And what, you have a special name for the project too, right? It's uh, very special. <laughs> it's uh, the, uh, the project's called uh, the Union Collective that's right, so it's I a collective of other. That's the word I couldn't remember. Right. It's uh, um, you know, it's it's going to be us and eight other businesses in there, um, all uh, finding ways to engage with the community, uh, uh, grow their business in many different ways outside of what they're normally doing, and also focusing what they are already doing in their existing locations, um, and and really excited about uh, the level of uh, knowledge sharing, collaboration, resources that are all going to be under one roof. I think. Anytime you can put together like-minded, smart individuals that all kind of have this goal of growth uh, all under one roof, like special things can really happen there. We're, we're really excited about that. Did you purchase the building? Or you, we did. Oh, cool. Did, so yeah. you're, you're, now you're also a landlord. I'm now also <laughs> a landlord, which uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. 
And I think I read in the Sun that Earth Trucks is was your first tenant, yeah, a climbing so, company. Yeah, so Earth Trucks, um, uh, really, really awesome company. Um, and, and, and the owner and, and founder there is this amazing individual that uh, that was exciting to meet. And, and as I learned more about that business, it, it was an easy, easy fit. All along, we wanted an activity of some sort there. Um, and some of the activities were kid-focused, right? You could have indoor soccer fields or sports fields, but that's kid-driven. And we didn't think that felt right in <laughs> next to a brewery and some of the other businesses are going to be there. So to find an adult-focused activity, and Earthtrek still does plenty of kid stuff. My, my son does that. He's part of their program, and he loves it, and it's his favorite thing to do. But it is an activity for an adults to come climb uh, and then go grab a beer. Uh, not, cl- not vice versa. Not vice versa. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to get that right, but uh, climb before beer, you're in the clear. So we'll, we'll, we'll that sounds that like message. a poster to have in the tap room. It probably should be up on the wall somewhere. Um, and and Earthtrack, frankly, is, is probably the outlier of, of the other companies that are going to be there. You know, Most of the companies are going to be manufacturing production-driven just like we are as, as a beer manufacturer, you know, and, and uh, we really love the model that we've been able to thrive in where you call it 90% of our business is manufacturing beer production to be put out into distribution. And then five or 10, five or 10% of it is, is retail our tap room, right? And have that ability to engage directly with consumers, come into the tap room, take a tour of the brewery, see how things are made, and then enjoy that product right on site. We want to take that across all these other industries, these other other companies that are moving in there, um, and show people that's a how huge industry now. Though. Yeah, what are they? it's kind of like what manufacturing has become yeah. now. You know, there aren't big steel and car manufacturers all over the place. It's it's people making things that are sold elsewhere, but people are interested in meeting the people that make it, learning that process of how it's made, and then tasting it right there. So whether it's coffee roasting, uh, or a sauce company, or an ice cream factory. Uh, People are interested in learning how things are made and, and want to, you know, see and touch it. And do you know what some of the other businesses are going to be other than Earthtrax? Yeah, we've, we've got uh, seven of the nine other businesses all tied up and ready to go. We're going to start announcing those um, next week, actually, and probably oh, do one every couple of weeks just as things get hammered out and, and, and finalized. Cool. Um, so have you were you looking at it from the beginning as were you approaching the businesses that you wanted to so like so you could kind of even yeah. use them as collaboration inspiration yeah, or absolutely i think you know that whole process was was exciting and and nerve-wracking and and hard but um you know again back to what we were talking about earlier learning from experiences from before the brewery you know a big part of of the company that i worked for um their jobs you know what we did was find companies to invest in. So finding those companies that you could make better, um, uh, for whether it's infusion of capital or expertise or whatever the case may be. So we really went back to those roots to think about, hey, what companies are going to be the best fits to be next to us as a brewery, uh, to help them grow, to let them thrive on, on what they're already doing and make it better. And that could also, you know, make us all rise up to a level that higher than what we could do on our own. And there's a lot of thought behind that. And you know, we've been fortunate to build a, a vast network around Baltimore and Maryland and other companies located here uh, and started talking to them and understanding what is your plan for the next five years. Some of them didn't have one, right? Uh, <laughs> but as, as we started talking about what we were thinking about doing and what could happen in this location, people started thinking about what they could do uh, and, and, and take their business to the next level. And that's where a lot of this really came from. 
so yeah, it's a it's a great idea because you're creating like a almost your own micro city center as a destination for people can go to to do everything or yeah. just to pick a few things that they. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, we we fully hope and intend this to be a, a destination for people, both people that live in and around Baltimore to come check out on a regular basis, but for people to come travel to, to say, hey, I'm heading to Baltimore to head the Union Collective. I want to go check out Union and uh, Earthtrex or one of the other many tenants there uh, and, and see what's going on. And, and, and that's what we're building it for. And, and we think uh, that can happen. I mean, one of the, the more exciting things about this also is there's not that much manufacturing happening in city cities anymore. And, and, and we felt that when we were looking around for a space in Baltimore, we really wanted to be in, stay in Baltimore city. There was from the beginning, there was really no scenario where we weren't going to be in Baltimore city. Now that changed when we realized there's not a lot of options in Baltimore <laughs> city. Um, but we really wanted to stay in Baltimore city and, and, and us and these other businesses, a lot of them manufacturing production driven, there's not really a home for manufacturing businesses in the city. And so creating that home for manufacturing in Baltimore City is something that, again, is way more than what we set out to in the beginning, but became part of our mission and what we wanted to do with this project. Graham, uh, Graham keeps tapping his glass, so I think... Oh, he, he, needs, a, he needs a refill? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, we, we could do some of the original Old Pro to compare yes, and I contrast. Think that'd, that'd be mm-hmm. great. Let's do that. Whose idea was it to add the coriander? Because that's a pretty unique ingredient. I don't see that very often. Yeah, that goes back to, I mean, Kevin creates all of our recipes. Um, but that goes back to uh, traditional uh, goza uh, as brewed you know, back in the day in, in Germany. And uh, I think it originated in the town Leipzig in, in Germany, where their uh, natural water source had a, had a saline content to it, mm-hmm. a level of saltiness to it. And that's why salt is used. Uh, and coriander became a um, you know an added ingredient tra- in, tra- in a traditional goza. Wow, that's interesting. Chris is analyzing the that's, bottle. Yeah, <laughs> so so the old pro, um, you know, the label art you can see is is mini golf themed, and, and <laughs> you know, a lot of our beers are named and branded for things that resonate from us as growing up around Maryland, uh, around Baltimore, and and so for this beer, this is the first seasonal we did uh, in the summer, our first summer beer. Uh, I guess almost coming up on five years now. And when we thought about how to, what we should call and how to brand our summer beer, we thought, what do you do in the summer? You, you go to Ocean City. And what do you do in Ocean City? You play mini golf at the Old Pro. Yeah. And so that became the brand for this beer. And, and since we started brewing this beer um, you know, a couple of years ago, we always wanted to do it right and release the beer at Old Pro and have a big party at the Old Pro. And we finally organize ourselves enough to do that <laughs> last year and so last year we rented out the old pro on 136th street and had a mini golf tournament and nice. had 150 people show up to play mini golf which kind of blew our minds a little bit and so we went back and did it again this past year and i think that'll become an annual tradition where we go out there we celebrate old pro we usually have a couple different variants we do some barrel aged old pros called uh, older pro um <laughs> which come out fantastic again another one of lynn's concoctions and uh we love celebrating these little things that um you know whether you're from baltimore or elsewhere in maryland um you know strike a chord with you of 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 times you good times you had in the past or things you do with your family or however you have fun or or enjoy being in in maryland uh we love uh uh bringing that uh out in our beers now did um did hb 1283 
weigh on you at all as you were I mean, really close to, I mean, I, yes. I guess your expansion plans that were pretty far along by yes. the time that bombshell hit, if you, if you were able to announce now. Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, I got very involved in Annapolis around HP 1283 and, uh, that was a, a painful and frustrating process to say the least. Um, you know, we didn't end up in a great place, but it, we at least ended up in a place that we can continue to exist and grow uh, at least the existing breweries, you know, new breweries are not in a good situation. And, and, and obviously what passed out of 1283 needs to be fixed. It's, it's why we're in this place to begin with is the laws around breweries have just been created as band-aids to solve one issue at a time, rather than looking globally at globally at how should this stuff be regulated. And that's exactly why we're in the situation we are with 1283 and, and the mess that has become that, um, and so, you know, I know the comptroller, Peter Francho has yeah. become very active. Uh, he started the task force. Are you a member of the task force? I'm a member of the task force. We've had two meetings so far. Um, and I think, I think to their credit, they've assembled a really strong group of people that represents the brewers, the retailers, the wholesalers, uh, and the general public that, um, there's the right people around the table to have real discussions around the issues that we're all dealing with and come up with solutions. I mean, I, I always come back to uh, the three-tier system and the issues that are on our plates right now here in Maryland and beer are no different than the issues that every brewery and every wholesaler and every retailer has to deal with in every state across the country. It's just that Maryland hasn't addressed them, you know, while every other state really has at this point or most other states have. And and there's no good reason why why that's the case. And uh, that's that's what I'm hopeful we can figure out. So is the is the purpose for the task force to try to inform legislature the legislature where to go or is what what is the main goal of the task force Yeah I, th- I think I think the goal of the task force is to one educate those that should be educated on the current laws in place and how they affect each of our businesses being whether you're a brewery, whether you're a wholesaler, whether you're a retailer, what are the laws that we currently have to live with and how is it affecting our business and our ability to grow and, and, and succeed as businesses? That's the first step. From that, hopefully, we can get to a point that uh, a lot of the laws that just don't make sense, and a lot of the, these laws don't make sense, and, when, and you know, even in the first two meetings, we're going through these and people are scratching their heads like, why is this the law? And there's a lot of that, again, going back to all the Band-Aids. Um, I'm hopeful that we're going to be able to address that and and make some recommendations um, through the comptroller, uh, through through the delegates, through the senators, you know, all the way up to Governor Hogan, who who seems to be more interested in this topic now. Thankfully, um, make some recommendations on what should happen from this, um, and from this dialogue, and from these meetings where we're all conversing and talking about the issues that we're dealing with, and why the current laws are not the right laws to be in place, and, and what should happen going forward. With, I mean, it's definitely, and it, it's said often, it's it's detrimental for Maryland to not foster the craft beer industry, in not just from the money that craft beer brings directly, but the humongous tourism aspect of it. And when we have right to the south, Virginia buying booths at the craft beer conference, inviting breweries yeah. to come to Virginia, yeah. in the no, I mean, and good on Virginia to, to recognize what's going on, right? They realize the 
economic and community benefit of having breweries grow and, and strengthen their communities, they get it. And again, why doesn't Maryland? And I think that's part of the education part of the task force of showing people what the benefits are of having a brewery. It's not just another place to drink or, or another you know beer to have. It's it's their community centers, their community hubs, and that was a big part of well, what the, we wanted to be when we opened up. We were like, you know, we had we we traveled a lot. Kevin, John, and I all traveled a lot to the breweries uh, all across the country and, and saw what was happening. You know, this is six, seven years ago. So what was happening in these cities and these community hubs and like, why doesn't this, this exist in Baltimore? And that's what we set out to do. And, and now I think people are, are realizing how strong of a community member a brewery can be. And people will travel to that. And there is real tourism that that's directly related to that. And that um, indirectly helps other businesses grow around there. You know, when we opened up Union almost five years ago, um, there was a great restaurant just up the street from our location, Woodbury Kitchen, um, but there wasn't much else around there. And since then, you know, there's been a lot of great restaurants that have opened all around us. And and those, not to say that that's directly related to the brewery, but I think that's a piece of it of people coming to that neighborhood um, to experience one thing, visit the brewery, and then walking down the street to go get dinner at Beer Teco or a Blue Pit across the street or Artifact Coffee, you know, down the way, and and seeing more and more people come to the neighborhood and and try all the things that all these other businesses have they offer that's that's what breweries are about and that's what tap rooms are about and um you know we're excited to do more of that well i mean you're the absolute perfect poster child for that concept with what you're doing with the union collective and that couldn't be more exemplary of what people are trying to say the craft beer industry does yeah it's 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 not a hard concept to comprehend once you, once you visit a brewery and see what's actually happening there and and frankly when even around HP 1283 and I was reaching out to our delegates and senators come to the brewery let me show you what we're talking about rather than sitting in a room in Annapolis theoretically talking about this and that but was it was it union though that was used as the one representative as an excuse saying that a tap room just was a bar uh, or th- was it Diamondback I think uh, I think one of the delegates did mention union. Yeah, I think they said they went there and they looked around and, and I, I, it was a bar. Which and I, I, question, mean, I, I actually questioned him on it and he clarified that it wasn't union. It was okay. another, it was another brewery down the street from us. Um, but regardless, that's all well, it, crazy it, talk. Yeah, yeah, it's ludicrous. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been to union, but I've been to a lot of breweries and the tap rooms are all very similar and it's not a bar experience. Yeah. It's yeah, I mean that, that that's one of the claims that 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 some of the people made i mean we're obviously very different from a bar a bar you go to and and you can have a cocktail you can have a beer you can have a glass of wine you can try a variety of things there's there's a bar is a place to go to for a couple hours to hang with your friends whereas a tap room we view our tap room as something as a stopping point you come there you spend an hour hour and a half there you, you try one or two beers you take a tour and then you're off to the next stop now there's now, luckily in Maryland, there's 60 plus breweries, and there's all different types of tap rooms, um, as there should be. And some people operate a little bit differently than us, but that's how we think about our tap room. And 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 um, as a community member, want our tap room to act like that, and as a launching point, as a stopping point for people to explore other things in the neighborhood. Well, I mean, the vast majority of the breweries in Maryland I've been to, it they're exactly how you describe. Yeah, absolutely. Like normally, they're telling 
people the next place they should go check out. Exactly. Sometimes it's a brewery. Sometimes it's a great restaurant that's down the street or a bar that has a huge selection of craft beer. You should go check them out and try this. Yep. It's, no, I think, you know, we certainly realize, and I think most of the breweries do that, you know, for us to grow uh, and be something bigger than we are right now, it needs to happen away from the brewery, right? Through people buying six packs at their stores or people buying our beer when they're out to dinner at a bar or a restaurant. But the best way to do that and to grow each of our individual brands is by someone experiencing coming to Union and checking out the tap room and taking a tour and meeting us and trying four or five of our beers in the tap room, finding the one that they really love, and then that's the beer that they go to their local store and buy a six pack of. Um, when do you plan on being set up in your new location? We, uh, we're, we're planning to be brewing our first batches of beer in uh, kind of late spring 2018. Okay. So late March, early April uh, is the time frame. We, we really want to be up and running before the summer hits next summer. Um, were you close to hitting the 500 barrel limit with your tap room or uh, we did is about it the other we we you know our tap room we're open 18 hours a week okay. because of that limitation and uh you know in 18 hours a week we did about 300 and some barrels uh in the tap room last year and so we didn't hit 500 but that's because but we, you easily could yeah you, i mean we're open we're open you know thursday and friday evenings for five hours and Saturdays and Sundays for, for five hours basically. And, um, we'd love to do more and, and, and we haven't been able to because of that limitation. Um, and do you have a hard opening date yet for the collective and when everything's going to be up and running and people can come in? Yeah. I mean, uh, the brewery union will probably be one of the last tenants to move into the collective. You know, there's several of the other tenants that need to, that want to get in earlier. Uh, and so tenants, uh, the other businesses will start moving in, uh, late fall this year, uh, and then between late fall and mid-spring is when everything should be activated. So what's one trend in craft beer right now that you love? Uh, hmm, there's a lot of them. Uh, I love uh, sour, how sour beers have become more popular. We're big fans of sour beer. You know, when we made Old Pro again almost five years ago the first time, we loved having people at the brewery and taste that, you know, try this, try our new summer seasonal, and they'd have that face like they just drank poison. Right? <laughs> it's sour and puckering, and, and people are not used to that being a flavor in beer. And, and so that's a, t a type of beer that took a lot of explaining and educational. And, and now to see that sour beers have become popular, much more popular and, and, and much more accepted, we love that. Um, obviously, because we love Old Pro, but just it's just a sign of kind of, what educate beer education and people's tastes and palates and preferences change over time. And, and that's a really cool example of, of, of how that happens. Um, you know, uh, hoppy beers, juicy IPAs are, are, are a lot of the rage these days. Uh, do you have plans? Have you done a new England style? Or, yeah, or do you have plans for any, you know, we, we haven't gone all the way as far as that real hazy IPA. I mean, we've played around with different IPAs and, um, and I think Kevin's been brewing for a long time and is of the mindset, uh, as am I and, and John and many of the brewery, many of the people at the brewery, of of what beer looks like and, and what a properly made beer is. And, and, and I think New England IPAs are becoming more prevalent and and and, and more accepted. And um, you know certainly they they taste great and and are, and are fun to play with. We have not done one ourselves per se, but we've played around with different IPAs and different clarity levels, and and we'll continue to explore all of that. But I haven't really fit into that spec yet 
What's one trend that you wish would go away? Hmm. I don't know. I think I think the whole um, line and trading scene is interesting. I mean, I did that for a long time before the brewery. That's how I kind of got obsessed with beer, you know, and, and this is seven or eight years ago and was trading packages with people all across the country <laughs> and just wanted to try everything. So I love that aspect of it. Um, but it's sometimes crazy to me to see the efforts that people will go through, go to, to get that beer. And, um, not that I want to see that go away cause I think it's awesome, you know, to yeah. see people's level of passion, but it's, it's a little crazy. <laughs> um, but, but awesome in the same respect. Cool. Do you have any more? I don't think so. Uh, well, uh, thank you. So actually, no, I do want to talk about one. <laughs> What's that? You're staying in Frederick for a few more hours. So we are, we're, uh, I'm heading over to, uh, to Jojo's tonight. We have a, a tap take over there with a bunch of our beers on tap. We have our, we have our new Pilsner skipjack, uh, which I love. That's what I've been drinking. It's kind of, we've done a Pilsner the past couple of years. We reformulated a little bit this year and, um, are making more of it. It's, it's kind of, we, we noticed that's the beer that everyone at work would drink when they were done at the end of the day. And so we're like, we need to make more of that because that's what I love drinking. And that's what a lot of our employees like drinking. And a lot of our beer decisions are, are based on that thinking that we're no different than everybody else. Right. If, if we see our, ourselves and our staff drinking a certain beer, like probably other people want to yeah. drink more of that as well. Uh, and so, yeah, more Pilsner. I'll be drinking some of those tonight at Jojo's. Um, we've got a couple fun things coming up for our fifth anniversary is happening. Um, uh, August 5th at the brewery. So we've got a big bash going on. Really, the, our anniversary parties um, are that one night that we kind of let loose a little bit, uh, both on the beer front and both on us celebrating ourselves. We like to have a good time that night. And so we'll have a 1,000 people at the brewery that night, August 5th. We've got Big in Japan, which is a great Baltimore, uh, kind of old-school Baltimore band that hasn't played together in a while. We've got them reuniting oh, cool. at the brewery along with a Honey Island Swamp Band, which is another great band. We'll have a bunch of food there, and that's really just a big celebration. It'll be the last one at our current facilities. We're excited to send that out in style. And then uh, another fun thing around our fifth anniversary, um, June 29th, I believe it is, that Thursday night at Max's is the five-year anniversary to the day of our first pints being sold uh, at Max's five years ago. Oh, nice. And so Max's is a uh, is near and dear to our hearts. It's where we spent uh, uh, a lot of hours drinking, but also a lot of time uh, planning for the brewery there. We would have our meetings there on Tuesday nights and, and <laughs> have a couple beers and talk about whatever we needed to be talking about as we were planning the brewery and, and making the decision to create this thing. And so Max's has always been near and dear to our heart, and uh, they obviously do an amazing job there. Uh, Casey and his whole crew and the Furmans, are, um, you know, it's, it's an institution uh, of, of beer in Baltimore. And I think a lot of breweries ourselves and others wouldn't exist if if that culture wasn't created there as far as uh, exploration and craft beer uh, at Max's. So we're excited to really blow it out there on the 29th of June and I think we've got 30 beers on tap and really everything we've ever created that we've oh, held wow. to is all going to be there and, and some stuff that has never seen the light of day will be there and so that's going to be a, a special event for all of us. So do you have any special beers coming out soon that yes. you want to talk about? <laughs> uh what do we got coming out? We, we we do a fun collaboration series. This is our second year uh, doing it called the Reunion Series, right? So uh, last year we focused on brewers that got their start in Maryland and then have gone on to open or work at a brewery outside of Maryland. So we did a beer uh, with our good friends in Austin Beer Works in Texas, a couple of guys that used to work at Frederick or Flying Dog, uh, opened a great brewery in Austin. We did one with our good friend Jason Oliver down at Devil's Backbone. Um, this year... We tweak that concept a little bit to do a reunion series 
uh, around Kevin's time in Chicago. So Kevin really built the okay. cool network, came, became friends with a lot of great brewers in Chicago that have now gone elsewhere to open breweries. So we released uh, about a month or two the first one in that series called Tiny Elvis with our good friends at Wiseacre Brewing down in, in Memphis. And uh, we just brewed the second installment of that series um, with our friend Matt Van, Matt Van Wyk out of Song Brewing in uh, Eugene, Oregon. So he's um, brewed a bunch of years in Chicago, went out to Eugene and brewed at Oakshire for a bunch of years and then started his own thing, really focused on barrel aging uh, and uh, farmhouse style ales. And he's making amazing beers in his first year. Uh, won one or two GABF medals in the barrel age categories, wow. which are pretty competitive, and um, really, really has that down. And so it was fun to have him come to Baltimore, uh, brew a beer with him. It's a, a mango farmhouse saison. Oh, that'll wow. be pretty cool. And so that'll be out uh, in a week or three. And then around our anniversary, we always come out with a couple beers each year. Uh, we'll have a new fruited sour uh, this year um, that's yet to be named. We uh, we come out with our Royal Farmhouse double IPA around that time, our anniversary barley wine, Chessie. Uh, we kind of we kind of take the opportunity for our anniversary to to come up with new things each year and, and showcase what we can do. You guys are busy. We're busy. We're busy. <laughs> things, are, things are a little crazy, but all, all good reasons these days. Well, I, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your obviously extremely busy schedule to come on out and talk to us. No, absolutely. Uh, happy to come out. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.